A living legend of Australian music. That's one journalist's fitting description of our next guest, Deborah Conway. Deborah fronted Melbourne new wave group Do Re Mi in the 1980s and then went on to a prolific three-decade-long solo music career alongside her partner in both music and life, Willie Zigger. And now she's told the story of her life in a colourful and candid memoir, The Book of Life, which recounts Deborah's personal and artistic coming of age and everything from the early days in Melbourne, the dizzying successes and hard lessons that came along with it, as well as romances with other icons of Australian music like Paul Kelly and Paul Hester. Deborah Conway, welcome to Sunday Extra. Oh, thank you very much for having me, Julian. It's lovely to be here. The book revisits your entire body of work, including some very early work, which I was very happy to be reminded of. You're the face of some iconic Australian TV commercials. I got a real uh, flood of nostalgia when I remembered the Change the Colour of Your Day crunchy ad. How did you get into advertising, Deborah? (laughs) Uh, well, I was a model, um, or I, I decided I needed to become a model because I needed the money, and modelling was a much better way of of paying the bills than bar work or retail or whatever else. I, you know, you, you didn't need anything to be a model. You needed you needed some height, which I had, and I had some money to get photos taken, and which I you know been saving up from various birthdays. So I, I was eighteen, and I went off and got my photo taken, and then took it to this agency, Cameron's Modelling Agency, and they said, "Yes, you can have a you can you can we'll represent you," and that was it. And I would um, be paid handsomely for turning up to jobs, and they would you know style me and dress me, and I'd walk down catwalks and change the colour of your day for television advertising. There was the McLean's. I was the McLean's. Girl girl, um, the big M girl, all kinds of things. And then there was patterns, knits and any amount of things, you know, everything. And it was pre-days of supermodels. So it was it was just a good gig and it paid well. And, you know, I could get away with a lot. Although you still, you were still working for someone. So, you yeah. know, I'd arc up because they'd want me to brush my hair and things like that, which was obviously very silly of me. But, um, but nevertheless, it was, it was a limited tenure of being a model from 18 to 23. But I certainly made enough money to move out of home, buy myself a car, buy myself some furniture and then relocate to Sydney. So it was a very useful tool to get to where I needed to go, which at that time was as far away from my parents as possible. (laughs) Yes, right. Um, And I gather that uh, one particularly prominent billboard was a cause of some consternation within the family. Oh, that's right. Well, I, I did take my clothes off for the Get Yours Into Bluegrass ad. Which was, you know, a really interesting call-up, as you can imagine. (laughs) We all lined up. We took it in turns to take our pants down and they chose my bottom. So there you go. (laughs) And it was in that period while you were working as a model that you really discovered your love of performing. You say that at the age of 20, you had an incredible sensation singing out front of a wall of sound and that was it for you. Do you remember that moment clearly as just to this day? I do. I do actually. Uh, so I'd um, joined a band. I put an ad in the paper and uh, the benders answered it. It's all detailed in the book, so there was a bit of competition, but people can find this out. Yeah, and I, I remember getting up and singing and a room full of heaving, sweating, dancing, bouncing people, and it was just <laughs> most fantastic feeling of having all this power singing through this microphone, and uh, I was hooked, completely addicted. 
We're speaking with Deborah Conway on Sunday Extra about her new memoir, The Book of Life. Deborah, perhaps no surprise that your memoir covers the full gamut of sex, drugs, rock and roll, uh, and shoplifting. Uh, what was the hardest thing for you to write about in putting out this book? Look, I really loved writing this book. It, it was a very, very enjoyable process. I guess the more difficult process for me was the editing afterwards. So how mm. I'd written it was I found the idea daunting, but I wanted to write a book. And I thought, how can I trick myself into writing a book without, you know, having to look down the the barrel of writing, you know, 400, 500 pages or something, which mm. seemed so scary. And so I decided I would write essays based on the titles of my songs. So I downloaded a, a list of songs from um, my APRA list, which is the Australasian Performing Rights Association, and they have all your song titles online on their website. And I did that, and then I wrote 100 essays from 100 song titles. And I wrote wow. them not chronologically but alphabetically. So it was... It was a very, very long book when I finally had decided that I'd finished it. It clocked in at about 210,000 words, which uh, kind of, it's sort of like War and Peace. I didn't think anyone would <laughs> want to read Deborah Conway, War and Peace. So, so then it was the process of cutting it all back. But to get back to your original question, what was the most difficult thing? I suppose, well, I mean, there are some very personal family moments, that's, that were some of them which were difficult. But you know what? It, none of it was difficult to write. When I got around to recording the audiobook, that was really difficult to read that out aloud because then you're once removed from the process, like you're no longer the artist creating the work and then you kind of feel the weight of those words hit you in a different way. And it was very powerful and I did actually find myself engulfed in emotion um, a number of times while I was, while I was reading. That's really interesting. And it actually touches on something I wanted to ask you about, because as well as the audio book, you've got the written work and the live show, songs from the Book of Life. Uh, could you describe that show for us? And I wondered about the different experiences of presenting this material in those different formats with obviously a live performance and music being the thing that you're best known for. We in Victoria endured an extremely um, lengthy lockdown period over yes. COVID. Possibly why I'd written War and Peace on Deborah Conway, but <laughs> but that wasn't enough. No, we actually ended up writing a show as well. So I wrote the book, but Willie and I both collaborated on putting a show together. And it's sort of excerpts or tastes of what the memoir is in a much more theatrical presentation accompanied by songs. And the songs don't necessarily tell the story particularly, but they reflect on the story that's being told in the text. And for the first time, we performed it at the Brisbane Festival. And I tell you, it was the most exhilarating feeling to be in front of a room full of people who were, you know, I, I've been doing this in rehearsal for, for months and, yeah. you know, and I'd do the script and, you know, I'd look around and there'd be like four or five people in the room and they're all staring at their computers and they're doing really worthwhile things. Don't let me undermine <laughs> their great work, but they're not interested in what I'm doing. And so to get out front in a room of people and have them laugh where I, I think they're supposed to laugh and they did laugh <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and cry and, and stomp and stand up and dance. It was it, absolutely the most wonderful, exhilarating feeling. And I really feel like we've got this quite 
unique and interesting and special show that we've um, that we've honed over the last couple of years. So I hope people get along and have a look. Yeah, it sounds fantastic. It's also great to hear in the book, Deborah, you writing about uh, what you rightly describe as your most recognisable song, only the beginning, but you also say that, curiously, it's a bit more of an outlier than representative of your work. How would you describe your relationship to that song? Well, as I have said in both the book and the show, I have a peculiar love-hate relationship with It's Only the Beginning um, <laughs> because it's um, it has become so singularly representative of my entire body of work and it becomes you know, frustrating. You know, you'd be coming in to talk to a radio station and you've just made a new album and you're excited about presenting it and they kick off the whole interview with It's Only the Beginning and you just think... Oi, <laughs> how can I get out from under this yoke? And that's the hate. But the love, of course, is that, you know, I have, uh, you know, as I say in the show, I've managed to contribute a song to that rarefied number of pop songs that endure past their release date to remain amongst a few much beloved classics that three decades on people haven't appeared to tire of. So, you know, it's... Um, <laughs> It's a it's a wild thing, you know, and I can just see it. The Deborah Conway dies, and they're playing. It's only the beginning, for God's sake. <laughs> yes, I think you must resign yourself to that fate. But um, uh, but you do write at the end about how you are still on the quest for like the holy grail of the perfect song, as you describe it. Do you think that that is a never ending quest, and that the questing's the point, or do you feel that there is some sort of moment of musical perfection that is within your grasp? Well, I think we've gotten close. I do. I really do. I think we've there's some songs in our oeuvre that are um, that are really special. I would say Book of Life, which is the title of the book. Mm. Uh, I would say Serpent's Tooth. I guess the last three albums, I think, are some of our best work that we've ever made. And can you put your finger on what it is that sets them apart from your other work? I guess they're they're very layered. And there's a lot to be gained from repeated listens and they emotionally touch something very deep in the human psyche. Uh, they do for me anyway. Um, and, you know, I think people respond to them. I, I see people, there's, there's rarely a dry eye in the house after we've played Serpent's Tooth, to be honest. And that's encouraging. Well, it's been great speaking with you, Deborah, and I promise we won't go out with only the beginning. The book is called The Book of Life, and as we heard, it's also part of a stage show, Songs from the Book of Life. You can get all the details at deborahconway.com. Deborah, thanks so much for speaking with us on Sunday Extra. That's a pleasure, Julian. Thanks for having me. And Deborah mentioned her song, The Serpent's Tooth, recorded with her partner in music and partner in life, Willie Zigger, as one of the ones where she approached that that quest, the end of that quest for music perfection. It does reward repeated listening, Deborah tells us, but we're only going to be able to have one listen to it now. Here it is, The Serpent's Tooth by Deborah Conway and Willie Zigger.
and that well and truly would reward repeated listening. That's just some of The Serpent's Tooth by Deborah Conway and Willie Zigger. That's from their 2016 album, Everybody's Begging. This is Julian Morrow with you on Sunday Extra. It's coming up to 10 minutes to eight. Time now for Occam's Razor. And mounting the RN Soapbox for Science today is Dr Yi Kai T, who researches and names fish that live in the ocean's twilight zone. So as a society, we've always had an intrinsic passion for discovery. We've climbed the tallest mountains. We've explored the deepest rainforests. We've put probes and cameras down the deepest parts of our oceans. And we've even been to space. And it's this desire to learn more about our natural world that is perhaps our most redeeming quality as a society. But of all the great ecosystems that we've ventured to and explored, very few have the same magnetic quality that coral reefs have over here. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.